Welcome to Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline, the podcast. If you're one of the people who have stopped by our blog at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com, thanks for reading and for finding us here. If this is the first time you've heard of us, we're glad you found the podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jacqueline. And we're back here in the book cave for another exciting talk about a scary. Yeah kind of book. It's a good book for October is Mystery Month. It is. It's, you know, it's Halloween month, right? Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Here we are. This month we read a book called Clown in a Cornfield by Adam, <laughs> I'm going to say it, Cesare. Adam Cesare. Does That's that sound right? Would, yeah. Adam Cesare. Um, we, last month we talked to you about reading a book called Feast or Ritual, and we determined it was going to be a little bit difficult for anybody out there in listener land who wanted to read that book. Did you ever get a hold of it? Read any I of read it? some of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I might still finish it. Oh. Um, but I'm glad I'm not on a deadline. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to get through that one. So, but for the good of the listeners, we decided to go with something that was going to be a little easier to get a hold of. And uh, Kelly suggested this um, this novel that is actually intended for a young adult audience, but like most YA books, Appropriate for a lot of people. <laughs> right. So maybe nobody younger than young adults. <laughs> right. But definitely for the adult crowd, this would be a fine choice. Uh, what Can you tell us about it? Yes. Okay. In a, in a nutshell. So um, Quinn and her father have uh, just moved from Philadelphia to a small town in Missouri. Her father is a doctor. And um, after they needed some... What do you call it? Um, they needed to get away from the town they were in based on some circumstances that happened. So they try a clean start in um, in this small town in Missouri. And they um, he takes over the practice of a the town doctor mm-hmm. in there, and they actually move into that doctor's house. Called foreshadowing here. Yeah, dun dun dun. <laughs> um, so um, they move in, and she goes. She's like a senior or junior in high school. I think she's a junior. junior. And so she gets her first day at um, the junior high school, and um, and I don't want to give too much away. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's how they get into the town and what happens in the town. But as with any teenage angsty book, yeah, or any scary movie made for a teenager there's always something that happens as a prologue Mm -hmm. so before quinn even gets there there's this episode where of course all the teens are out on the on on a cliff drinking they're not supposed to be obviously because they're underage and they're not supposed to be on the property and of course you know somebody jumps off the cliff and then um hurts themselves and ends up dying right so that's that's the prologue to all of that, and then Quinn shows up in town. She's not there there during that time, but she shows up in town, and it's like a couple of years after that, a year, a at year least later, a, yeah, at least a year later um, after that, and she shows up in town, and then um, what has been set forth by that incident mm-hmm. is we'll talk about later is unleashed is unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Nice job. You didn't give anything away. Good work. <laughs> I try not yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and this will be a really, it'll be a really in-depth spoiler section, I think, because there's a lot happening in this story. But before we get to that, um, we decided this week or this month that we were going to go with the um, classic cocktail, the screwdriver. Uh, this is a drink of choice for the main character in Clown in a Cornfield as she is partaking in a school party. 
Um, but we elevated ours a little bit and went with our favorite Kettle One Peach Orange Blossom vodka <laughs> because it's a little bougie. Why not? <laughs> so, but I've never had it with orange juice, Kelly. I've Me only neither. ever had this with club soda. So, all right, cheers, cheers. and we'll see how this goes. And the good mm. news is that Kettle One vodka works with everything. It really does, and that little bit of peach in there kind of cuts the tartness of yep. the orange juice. Yep. So Mm-mm-mm. it's not bad. Yeah. Okay. And we we mixed our own drinks. Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. That's important in this one. So, all right. So before we get into the spoiler section, though, Kelly, what have you been reading since the last time we talked? Well, obviously, this book that we're discussing right mm-hmm. now, but I'm currently reading right now, it's called um, A Lady's Guide to Fortune Hunt- Hunting Oh, by Sophie Irwin. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm unfamiliar with this author. I was browsing the bookshelves the other day, and I, it's on the new bookshelf at, okay. at the library, and uh, and Sophie Kinsella, my, one of my favorite authors. Yeah. This book captivated me with a sassy, witty, delicious tale. So I thought, oh, all oh. right. Well, so A yeah. kind word from Sophie Kinsella. That's right. quite a... Quite a review. Great. Right. Um, I've been still um, blazing through some audiobooks in the car. I listened to The Glass Ocean, which is um, a, a story told in three parts by three separate authors uh, Beatrice Williams, Karen White, and someone Willig. Anyway, so that's three different women, three different storylines, but it's about the crossing of the Lusitania and what's happening. Oh. Um, I listened to The Summer Cottage by. Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline's favorite, Viola Shipman. Oh, okay. P. Shipman. <laughs> Shipman. <laughs> Enunciate, um, clearly. Correct. And that is, a, it's a nice one about a woman who, uh, it, after she gets divorced, decides instead of selling her family's property on the lake, um, she is going to turn it into a and b and how the town sort of rallies around her for that. Um, I read a book called Spare Parts, which was a really interesting story about a robotics team in Arizona. And um, I read that for another book club that I'm in. And I probably wouldn't have ever heard of it except someone at book club talked about it. But it was uh, a high school team in Arizona of kids who um, had very limited resources, very little experience and background with robotics. And they went up against some of the top robotics teams in the country in this competition. And, And it also was a kind of a hard look at immigration policies and how it impacted this team. So that was an interesting one. I read The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell, who did Hamnet. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you read that. Um, this is deep historical fiction. This is like 1500s Italy. Cool. But um, it, was a, it was beautifully written. I'm not sure um, that I love the vagueness of how the story wraps, but some people will like that. So um, I read True Biz about uh, a school, um, like it it is a boarding school, I guess, that serves um, students in the deaf community. And that was really good. I learned a lot about cochlear implants reading that one. And then I just finished The Waterkeeper by Charles Martin, which I downloaded at a stoplight because Hoopla told me to. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we must so, listen to Hoopla. Well, you know, I was I like had <laughs> 10 seconds to get my next audiobook downloaded in the car, and that's what popped up right on the screen. So there we go. <laughs> so we've covered the drink. We've covered what we're reading. Are we ready to talk about Clown in a Cornfields in the spoiler section? Yes, we All right. Are. So here we go. Three, two, one. Spoiler alert. 
what did we read? I have no idea. <laughs> it went in a direction that I did not expect it to go in. I I was like, scary is not a word, like I said in the beginning. Like, it's not the word I would describe it. It's grisly. Other than the fact that there's a clown and clowns are scary in a cornfield. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. But it's not, it's, I don't have a word to describe it. I so when I told people about it without ruining it, I mean it's I said, not horror. Um, I would I would respectfully disagree. You think so? But I would do, I would do that only because the way that some of these people died is pretty horrific. Well, yes, but it's, it's not horror in like a jump scare, zombie, right, right, vampire. Um, no, but I yeah. When I told people, I was like, it was sort of for me. It was what I imagined reading the the screenplay of like an 80s slasher flick absolutely but set in 2020 absolutely and i mean the shades of friday the 13th oh yeah texas chainsaw (laughs) massacre (laughs) right the halloween movies (laughs) i mean it yeah and and i will note that on the cover of the book is a is a a quote by clive barker which the author in his author note did say like if that's why you picked it up that's fine i hope you come back and read more right But, I mean, even the cover of it, like, the cover is very reminiscent of, like, a classic Stephen King novel, yes. or, like a Sidney Sheldon. Yes. Um, it is, it's not that long. I read this in one night. Oh, I think, well, I read it in two nights. My goal was to read 50 pages a day. So yeah. the first night I read 50 pages, and then the second night I just, because to me it started out very, off very slow. Yeah. As it was setting the scene and, you know, yep. a lot of teenage angst type stuff and your your typical YA novel. And um but then when it actually you're like took off. Holy <laughs> It really did. <laughs> it, it, you're like, you gotta find out yeah. what happened. So yeah, it's so like I, an arrow from a crossbow. <laughs> right. <laughs> wink wink. Whoa. Yeah. So um yeah, so so now we can talk a little freer about it. So th- so we through Quinn we meet this cast of high school characters who are trying their best to live their best life in small town middle America, and um, they're not behaving in a way that the adult townsfolk appreciate. Correct. And everybody is very sort of dismayed by all of the disrespect and the how dare you. Um, you know, how how dare you mock our our old school like way yeah. of life here. And challenge you you know, yes. it's like they're they're challenging the adults with their, you know, because they're, you know, sarcastic uh shallow teenagers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so And interestingly, it, for a town where the cellular service and the Wi Fi is not great, they've chosen to be content creators <laughs> correct and so there's the so there's four of them primarily right when we get the five yeah cole tyler matt ronnie and janet correct and so quinn accidentally gets herself in trouble on her first day of school because these students are challenging a teacher in a classroom and um the teacher has has he clearly based on the rant that he has in the classroom has had it yes he's done with with the questions he's done with being filmed and posted online and that was one of the first kind of questions i thought i i was trying to maul as i was reading it as i was reading these these particular characters is like is everything content 
And there are some people online who would tell you that everything is content, but doesn't need to be. Well, <laughs> right. And I know that it's about drawing views. And this is my this is where I sort of waffle being on like the border of generations where technology has been a thing and where we we were sort of introduced it like midway into our teenhood. And so I um I and I th- and I was kind of reflecting on the things that like I watch online. When I'm scrolling through Instagram or whatever, do I stop for the stuff that's candid or do I stop for the stuff that's scripted? And they were very much scripting their content, but they were also always on the lookout for an opportunity. Correct. Right. And so that was like as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, this is one of those does everything need to be online? But in their case, they really thought that's what was drawing viewers to their channel. Right. So. Well, because the things they did were not nice things. I mean, you know, like. Well, like in yeah. the case of. So at the beginning, <laughs> when you talked about the, the kid who died. Right. So at the beginning, it was really just about getting Cole doing this like stupid, daring jump off the edge of the reservoir. And right. instead, it wound up being Cole's sister who was out somewhere she probably did not have the jumping experience right. to, to go she from. She was quite a bit younger. And she hit her head on the way down. And that's, I mean, how many times have you seen a horror movie start with a terrible accident, right? right. Like, it's sort of part of the formula. And, but it's important to know that it was his younger sister who probably shouldn't have been out there with them because later that's important when you find out what's going on with the adults in town, which right. we'll get to. So... So she's so she kind of she accidentally gets in trouble. She sort of gets folded into this group of students and they are now plotting something. Plotting is maybe the wrong word. They're planning some content at the at the upcoming town founders day. Right. And it doesn't go exactly as they planned and people are slightly injured. Right. No one's really bad i mean it could have been a lot worse right Um, and the and the adults in town are just they're they're done it's the um 80 wasn't it um, yeah yeah. (laughs) it damaged the movie theater yeah cars were cars collided but it was in a parade so things were traveling like three miles an hour and so the kids are they're convinced it's like this this is not a big deal the adults in town do not see it that way right and so um now that all eyes are sort of on these students who have created this chaos and Quinn has accidentally found herself in their midst, the town leaders really do start plotting. In, they do. In a, in a nefarious and intentional way. But you don't see that. Nope. You know, you know you, they, I mean, they call a town hall meeting, you know, because there's... Um, you know, just to get together. Yeah, we find what out are we much later. Do? Yeah, you, so you don't know that right away, but you just know there's this town hall meeting and what are they going to do with. But in the meantime, those kids will all have this big party at the end of Founders Day where right. they're going to be out in a cornfield. Yeah. Foreshadowing again. Exactly. <laughs> and for all of their efforts, it seems like this party is not that big a secret. No, no. <laughs> like everyone knows it's, it's happening. Not, right. Right. And so we're so we we find that Quinn is sort of developing a little crush on on Cole. And it seems that Cole's feelings are are the same. So they they go together to the party with Janet. Right. And on the way out there, we're treated to like the first sort of spike in adrenaline when they hit 
a oh, scarecrow, scarecrow on the road that's dressed as a clown, right? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is this is important. So <laughs> there's so much going on in this book. So Cole's family is pretty wealthy, and and he's got a little bit of like rumor stuff going on around, swirling around him right now because recently his family's factory has burned in a fire, and it was like the primary. Uh, employer of the town yes. it was the reason the town was bringing in any money and they, there was like a corn syrup production facility is that right that's I what it, that's some right. kind of syrup yeah and um and their mascot was a clown called friendo <laughs> which just i didn't even have to try to visualize this thing because it was just creepy enough right and um so the scarecrow is dressed up like friendo and they're sure that they've like hit someone in a costume it turns out to be a scarecrow the kids who played the prank think it's hilarious the kids who were in the car think it's less so but in the meantime like in the b-roll <laughs> we also know that someone dressed as friendo has already killed two people Yes. On this night, the mayor of the town, who yes. did not necessarily... Um, was not with the townspeople. Right. And um, and then one of the of the friends of the, char- the main characters of the book. And we're under the impression... Well, it's, it's... So they killed the mayor. They killed the friend. Now it looks like he's standing in the middle of the road. It turns out there's a scarecrow. Everybody is sort of like... Ah! And then they get over it and they make their way to the party where they're having fun and and Quinn is meeting new people until a clown comes out of the corn with a, with crossbow. a crossbow <laughs> <laughs> right? and starts mowing down these high school students. And this is why I use the word grizzly, <laughs> because the descriptions of some of these deaths yes, were, quite... were terrible. Yes, because... And then come to find out, you know, there is more than one clown that's yes. mowing down these high school students, and they all have a different weapon. Right. So the author did a great job, I think, making, at least for me as the reader, making me feel like things were happening so fast all over the place, oh, yeah. and this killer was everywhere. And we find out later that there were really like a dozen friendos running right. around. Like one had a uh, machete, like <laughs> one had a oh. uh, like a shot, a, a gun. Yeah, uh, the crossbow. Someone had a pitchfork. Yeah, someone yeah. had a chainsaw. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. So people really, they were dying some brutal, vicious deaths in this one. <laughs> um, and so by the time everyone sort of figures out what's happening, people do what they do in situations like this, and they started running and trying to hide, and they are in the cornfield. Now, I. Uh, yeah, I was I was very impressed with the way that Adam Cesare was writing it because I was I was as confused at some points about how fast things were happening as the the characters seemed to be. Um I I I think I hope if I had gotten into the corn I would have just kept going. I wouldn't have turned around. <laughs> I don't and gone know back. that I would have turned around. I I don't know if that makes me brave or or a coward, but I yeah I I don't know if I would have based on what I what they what he was writing the descriptions of the scene he was writing I don't know if I could have seen it like it was it was pretty bad, and um, and then they like they trapped all the kids in the barn and set it they on fire. And set it on fire to like send them out the other side so that was basically like fish in a barrel right. you know right and so to her credit janet who people are not giving a lot of credit to in the story no janet is the one who figures out 
there's more than one clown. Right. Well, because she's laying in a cornfield. She's laying in a field. She's injured. (laughs) They've left her with a gun. Right. But they're not sure she's going to be able to use it even to defend herself. And she figures out. And she does commit to going back to warn her classmates. I got to tell them that there's more than one person coming. These are not the police coming to help. These are people coming to make it worse. Right. And um, Janet is not rewarded for her efforts. No. Nope. Janet dies one of the more... um, Brutal deaths it's in the, the book. It's the machete guy, isn't it? No, it's the chainsaw. Oh, the chainsaw. Oh, yeah. Takes she gets a chainsaw to the neck. It yeah. Takes the clean off. Yep. And <laughs> at one point, one of the other characters like trips over her face later. And I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh. It's so bad. So I, but I have to tell you that I would have guessed that Janet was going to make it based on the importance of her role early. So I was surprised that I, I wouldn't have been surprised maybe if they had like, stabbed her and she fell down and then later she came back but like when you decapitate someone there's there's no coming back from that because you know the reason she was wounded the first time is because the crossbow yes you know the arrow got her so she was already wounded which is why they left her back in the cornfield because she couldn't move so so janet really died a hero because she warned everybody she did but she died nonetheless which i was surprised about (laughs) um i we so two more of the kids ronnie and matt um are the ones who set up the friendo scarecrow prank. No, Ronnie early. is a girl. Ronnie, just, yes. Yeah. Um, and Matt is her boyfriend. So come to find out, Ronnie and Matt are part of the adult group. Like, they joined the adults. Yeah. They went on the side of the adults, and they are the ones that kind of led, made sure, like, especially yeah. Cole. Yep. Especially Cole um, and uh, Quinn were there. Yeah. So well, so as we get into this, we find out that there's been this big plan to at the party because the teenagers were all going to be in one place, and especially what they were referring to as the primary targets. So the five characters we've come to call the main characters are all going to be in this one place, and and this group of friendos has decided they're 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 so done with these kids, they're just going to take them out. <laughs> Calling the herd. Yes, they, I, they actually <laughs> like, use that, that phrase. Calling the like, oh no. <laughs> So, oh, but what I we did forget to say was that in the meantime, Quinn's dad, the oh, doctor, yeah. has been kidnapped. Yes. And taken to some facility where he's now treating people with suspicious wounds that we as the reader come to match with the kids fighting back. Yeah. Right. So it starts to come to become clear that several adults in town are dressed as the friendos and are, yeah, eliminating the teens with whom... They've been disagreeing about their behavior, <laughs> which I got to tell you, seems like a real extreme reaction. It really, really does. <laughs> so, um, so I have to ask you, did you guess that Ronnie and Matt were double crossers? I did not see that coming. OK. Um, at all. Okay. I did not. So you had a moment. I had I had there was a lot of foreshadowing in there. Uh-huh. Um, like I always knew the sheriff was involved. From the get-go. He he was was, involved with something. From the minute he sat down at the diner when they were first went to the diner that first night they moved to town. I knew that mm, something. And then, then, you know, he shows up along the road kind of as their savior. Yeah. Turns out not to be. Not at all. But um, so I knew that one, but I did not catch uh, Ronnie and Matt. Okay. Mm -mm. It took me a while. I was suspicious when Ronnie tried to take away Quinn's rifle when... They were reunited in the silo. Right. And then I was more suspicious 
when Matt overreacted with the stranger who stopped on the road. Oh. So the kids have made it to the road. They see a truck coming down the street. They think this is going to be the person to help them. They're trying to convince him that people are are killing students at this party. And the the driver of the truck is suspicious anyway. And then Matt gets gets mad, quote unquote, gets mad and rips the side mirror off his truck. And the dude drives off. Yeah. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. And later we find that was attacked. It was on purpose so that the tr- driver would leave. Um, I but I I was um I was still, I mean, a little surprised to have it confirmed, but I had my suspicions about them. Mm, yeah, no, I didn't. So I was pleased that my my radar about that was right. My first uh, my first impression about the town was um, it was very way back in the beginning when they got into the house that they had just moved into, mm-hmm. which was the old doctor's house, and the fact that um, everything was left. Yeah, it came like literally everything. Literally, every, yep. like the doctor left in a hurry yep. or something happened to right. the doctor. <laughs> right. So we're under the impression that the right. doctor has retired and left town well, that's in, kind of in what you five get. days or and, whatever. Until yeah. they start describing the house and, you know, there's I think there's still food there or something. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very just, suspicious. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't. Honestly, though, that didn't I didn't. My antenna did not go up. That's that's the first time mine went up. OK, yeah. I mean, I thought it was something's like, going weird, on but in I was this like, town. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, they needed a plot twist to get the new doctor in town, right? right? So this yeah. is what it was. Um. So. So the adults, the, the friendos are are wreaking havoc on the farm. The kids are trying to get away. Some of them must. And in the midst of all of this, another sort of uh, ca- uh, outlying character who becomes less so. Rust oh, yeah. comes to the rescue with his bag full of hunting right uh, uh, uh weapons. Yes, <laughs> tools. <laughs> tools. <laughs> and um and so he's so he's arming the teens and he's showing Quinn how to use the rifle and and he gives her the one basically that you can't miss, right? Cuz it shoots buckshot, so you're going to hit something. <laughs> oh, right. And um and so they're they're fighting back. And then they run into the police chief who takes Cole and and Cole figures out what's happening while he's sitting in the back of the police car, w- leaving Quinn alone with Ronnie and Matt. So Quinn is now having to fight back against these two people on her own. Um, she gets into the house on the farm mm-hmm. and finds that there's a dead friend oh, inside sitting on the couch. And it's like, yeah, the whole thing is very there. creepy. <laughs> and um, and she she gets away by stealing a car. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we go back to Quinn's dad in his predicament, and he's he now he's treating a dead lady because he's afraid that if they find out that she's, she's dead, dead, that they're going to kill him. Yeah, and a little by little, it comes to light who the leaders of the Frendo group are, and they're parents of the kids that the are primary targets, targets. <laughs> which is oh anyway. Um, so Quinn gets to where. I can't remember how she finds out where they are. Oh, because she, I don't know, she just figures out that they need to go to the factory where yes. the Frendo mural is on the wall. Yes. And, and um, so she heads that way. Cole is now in the process of 
it's his death is being be staged as a suicide. suicide. So he's going to be hanged. We find out his dad, <laughs> who was apparently so broken up by the death of his daughter, the kid who jumped off the piling the year before and died, and he blamed it on Cole. And so now he's decided... It's revenge against yeah, all these teens. Yep, against all this, all this mischief. <laughs> and so he set this whole thing up and funded it, and, and now he's prepared to watch his kid die. And Quinn comes in to the rescue, but in the background we know that Quinn's dad has put on a friendo suit. Oh, I was 100% sure. sure he was going to get shot. That she, she was, was going to kill him. him. That came through my I mind, too. was so glad that was not the case because she's been she's already been through a lot in the in this story. I was so sure that was going to happen. Um, and ultimately, the bad guys are, are unsuccessful in their attempts to kill most of the kids. And no, they've killed a lot of the kids. They have, they have not killed the ones... That they thought they set out to do. So I have to ask you this. Do you think that any of the adults saw this scenario playing out the way that it did? No. I thought, no. I don't think so. I don't think they thought the kids were going to fight back. No. I mm -mm. In the way that they did. Right. Okay. Yeah, no. I didn't get that impression at all. It seemed like they all thought it was going to be much easier. Yeah. To find the five that they needed. Right. To get set it up so it looked like they killed each other, right? And then, and then themselves because the because Ronnie and, and uh, Matt were supposed to make it look like Quinn was the one who she right. was going to take the fall for yep. all of it. Like she was, they were going to put the frondo clown suit on her and uh, make it look like she was the yeah, like she was this mad one person yes. <laughs> killing all of these people, yeah. which didn't make any sense whatsoever. Right. So I, um, yeah, I don't think that they thought no. it was going to be as difficult uh-uh. as it was. See, you know, because adults always underestimate. Oh, yeah. Always underestimate. Yeah. And this is a thing that in in both my professional and personal life that I've had to explain to people is that I, I don't always side on the side of kids because they're kids. And I don't always side on the side of adults because they're adults. Like, no one is right all the time. Right. <laughs> So, right. you know, when, it, working in a public space, you sometimes have to you have to explain to people like just be, just because you're older than them doesn't mean I'm going to believe what you're telling me. And also, I'm not necessarily going to give you a pass because you're young and don't know any better. Like right. we got to balance that those behaviors out. But this was. I, yeah, I. It was it, a little extreme. <laughs> a little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, I guess I that's think, an understatement. And I think that the part that made me kind of like chuckle at the end of this was when I found out that they were calling the meetings of the people who were coming together to make this plan the Kettle Springs Improvement Society, (laughs) which I have to tell you very much took me back to like Anne of Green Gables and the Avonlea Improvement Society. (laughs) Oh, boy. I didn't think those two books were ever going to collide, right? But I was like, the Kettle Springs Improvement Society, I mean, those are the people who plant flowers and like... Put up, you know, plant new trees and like make, make the, the parks tell- nice, right. not right. eliminate an entire generation of kids because you don't think that they're funny. Um, so I, I was glad that the kids who made it out made it out because, of course, you don't. I mean, you don't want 
you don't need anybody murdered. But like, <laughs> no. I I was surprised at some of them who didn't. I was glad about the kids who did. And then the twist with Cole and Rust, Rust I did I not see I kind of saw that. No, nope. I know. See, that one I saw That's coming funny. because they were so uncomfortable. And I there's a brief, because when their exchange, when they, when, when Quinn first met them together, mm-hmm. like when they were, and it was at the party, I think, mm-hmm. right? And they were just so un- awkward and whatever together. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. See, and I just wrote it off to like a, a falling out or like people mm. just, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't in the same social circle right. anymore and it was just like weird for them to be talking now. Right. So good for you. Cause I didn't pick that up at all. Mm-hmm. So in the end, Cole and Rust are a couple. Quinn is dealing with her PTSD. Quinn's dad, ta- they, they discussed it. They decided they were going to stay in Kettle Springs. Um, for better or worse. <laughs> well, you know, and all the good, all the bad kids are gone. I, right? I, I mean, mean, and and a lot of the bad adults didn't well, come out of this either. Right. Um, and so, but we, and we find out that Cole is using the fortune. That, okay. Oh, so Cole's dad, Arthur, is, um, is presumed to have died in this mess. And they've never found a body but there was uh, somehow through the magic of fiction, there's enough evidence to declare him dead. And Cole has come into an inheritance and he's using the money actually to improve Kettle Springs. He's right. fixing the damage that was inflicted and they're trying to make things better for the kids and whatever. And so um, but he's a little suspicious that his dad's body has never turned up. And so in the epilogue of the book, we read that Arthur is on a plane going somewhere far, far away. And. Are we under the impression that he's killed the pilot now? I yes, I was when okay. it landed. Yep. Yes. Where he once he got where he was going. Yes, because that pilot knew who he was. Or, well, he thought he did. Yes. His paranoia was right. pretty apparent. Um and and so he assumed the pilot knew who he was and I think that he put on a friendo suit and cuz he was like I he put on his jumpsuit and he put on the mask and I was like I don't think that's like a a plain jumpsuit, right? That's a, this is a clown suit for sure, and um, and I think kills the pilot. Yes. Now, this is not a spoiler section for the next Adam Cesare book, but I will tell you that the sequel to Clown in a Cornfield is Clown in the Cornfield Two. Friendo lives, <laughs> and it's pretty new. I can't believe there's a sequel. <laughs> And you know now I have to read the sequel just to find out what happened. I have to tell you, I tried to use the statewide catalog system to borrow it from somewhere else because my library doesn't have it yet, and it's so new that no one's loaning it out. (laughs) So I'm gonna gonna have to to buy it. I'm just gonna have to buy it. Oh, good. Well, maybe let's share that. Okay. So we'll read it together. But um, yeah. So there is a sequel. We have obviously haven't read it yet. But I'm gonna because now it's it's too good. To not know. Well, what I, I can't imagine Frendo's going to appear back. That's what I want. Well, is Frendo going to appear back in town? I read the description. Quinn is off to college. Oh. And so I feel like this is going to be. Yeah. Doesn't this sound a lot like the final girl support group? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't yep. it? By the way, do you know Grady Hendrix has a new book coming out um, in January? I think I saw that. But I already, I've already got it on hold. Do you? Okay. <laughs> Yes. Um, so anyway, so um, 
I, I was surprised to find that I was going to give this book a thumbs up because it was it's pretty gruesome. It's a page turner. But it is a page turner. You know, like I said, I sat one night for four hours yeah. reading it to yeah. finish the book because I needed to find out what happened. Um, Don't read it if you're squeamish. N- no. And if you're not into the, you know... Slasher movies. Yeah, from this the eighties. This, this isn't for you. No, because no, no. It's so if, much that. If Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the Thirteenth was not your jam, <laughs> this is not the book for you. Right. Don't read it. Um, but I, I did enjoy it more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a lot sillier than this, and it was. Well, it wasn't silly. I mean, it was silly, it was but silly in ways. Yeah, but, like and, unbelievable in ways. Yes, and I agree. And there, and um, I think as a fair warning, we probably need to tell people that there's some, there are some obvious political leanings in this. Book. Oh, absolutely. Um, so just be advised that I think, regardless of the side that you fall on, um, you might you might find a few things in here that you don't agree with, right? <laughs> Heads up there. Uh, we won't go into those here, but um, but yeah, just fair warning because I was a little bit surprised by the use of some slogans yes. and the use of some symbols. Yes. And this book was very obviously written in 2020. Yes. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. So there you go. Uh, but I yeah, good find, Kelly. I wouldn't. I would never have picked this up on my own. Well, so, no, I wouldn't either. Um, but so good, yeah. Good it find. did get rave reviews. I mean, it, it did. Yeah. It was like on the top 10 best horror books from yeah. 2020, maybe 20. Yep. Yeah. And so. if you, yeah, if you really just want something to, where you're just constantly like, ooh, oh, right. ooh, that's so gross. I don't <laughs> right. know. This is, yeah, pick it up. <laughs> I mean, sure. if it's a movie, you're definitely not watching it. I And I don't know that I could listen to this audiobook. Because, like, I can skim past the particularly, like, oh, right. terrible do, do descriptions, think right? they would, like, have sound effects for the people doing Oh, my. Oh, I don't know. But I have just. Oh, no. <laughs> no, they wouldn't have sound effects for <laughs> like the people dying. Chainsaws in the well, background. No. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I don't know if I've ever heard sound effects okay, in an audio Okay, okay. Right. Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I kind of hope not. Uh, for just for the sake of the listener, you know, and then thud as the head falls oh, off, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, doors are creaking and whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so clown in a cornfield. Adam Cesare, two thumbs up from from this podcast crew, and um, and we, yeah, we'll be looking for the sequel. Yeah, we will get our hands on it. So, all right. So for November, mm-hmm. we're gonna read remarkably bright creatures. Did I tell you already that? The, one of the narrators, if not the only narrator of this book, is an octopus. I knew that. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I did know that. And you and you still agreed, so yes, that's great. <laughs> I did. <laughs> There's been lots of people who were surprised by the fact that an octopus was a narrator oh. or the narrator. So I just want to. I no. don't want you to go into it not knowing what we're getting into. I did know that. Well, we will read that one for next month. In the meantime, you can go back and listen to the previous 31 episodes of this podcast, um, and. For those of you who have been with us and have been listening here and or following on Facebook, we have a special treat. We do. Um, we recently acquired our first Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline merch. We are so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and we want you to have some. So if you are listening here and can go back and tell and and you remember what book it was that Kelly just started reading and mentioned earlier in this podcast, 
and message us on our Facebook page, we will supply you with a lit with Kelly and Jacqueline super fan tumbler. Is it the first one who messages? Yes, the first one. Okay. Yeah. And um, and you can follow us on Facebook for that same announcement um, on the day that the podcast episode drops. So uh, let us know if you what you think, if you read the book, if you liked it. Um, but also you just have to say this is what Kelly's reading and send us a message and we'll one of us will hook you up with the with the mug. So uh, in the meantime, we hope you're enjoying whatever it is you're reading. Anything final thoughts on Cloud in a Cornfield, Kelly? Uh, n- no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. All right. So in the meantime, enjoy what you're reading and we'll talk to you next month. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.